Hi everyone and welcome to Beer and Bunts. This is episode 50. Hit the 50 mark, which is uh, quite a surprise. Three years in now, so not too bad really. Uh, but yes, we'll go straight into our tried and tested for this episode. So this beer is Steam Brew and it is the Session IPA. Now this is one of the fairly easy and fairly cheap beers to get. You can get it from Lidl. Um, the reason why I quite like it is... At the moment, the cost of living is a little bit crazy, shall we say, you know, in case people hadn't noticed. So sometimes you want a, a decent dish beer, you know, not lager, um, that's not going to cost the earth because, you know, you've got other things to be paying for. So this one, it's like a, a half litre can, so 500, uh, 500 millilitres? don't know what I'm saying, centilitres. Yeah, uh, 500 millilitres, uh, it's a half a litre, it's 4.9%. It cost £1.39, I think. It has gone up. I think it was about one nineteen when I first started having it. Um, but yeah, it's just a generally, you know, easy, pleasant drink. Not going to knock your socks off, but with that price, what do you expect? But it's nicer than having something like, you know, a Bud or a Carlin. Right, so uh, on the... Let's have a look what's on the can. I didn't even realise this is brewed in Germany. So, yeah, I've been drinking it for quite some time now. You'd think by at some point I would have actually read the uh, can... Probably I haven't. All it says is like, let's all the gears of life. It, I say, it's four point nine percent. It's a session IPA. Not really like telling you on the can. So uh, on the colour, it's got like a uh, very light golden colour. Very subtle haze to it. Nothing, you know, not like the normal kind of craft beers, like some of the ones we got coming up. On the nose, you get a bit of the hops. It's a very subtle kind of sweet flavoured hop, I suppose, on the uh, aroma. Haven't uh, had a swig of it yet, but what I'll do, let's have a, a quick swig now and we'll work from there. Okay, so you do get the initial, you get the hoppiness. There isn't any sweetness in the flavour to it, it's literally just hops. I can't actually work out which hops they are, but they're quite finely balanced. You get an initial, initial hit of bitterness, which gets a little bit stronger uh, in the aftertaste, which you kind of expect in any kind of standard IPA. Although it's a session IPA, it doesn't feel that the flavour profiles in the beer have kind of been watered down. It feels like this beer has been made to be that flavour, and it just happens to fit in that kind of session IPA category, rather than it being, you know, let's say, tampered with. I find it quite pleasant. It's a very simple drink. Um, I say it's not overly complex. It's probably got about two, three different hops in it. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't tell me which ones they are. Uh, but yeah, I say it's a little bit of bite, not too overpowering. So also, it's one of those ones where, again, if you someone's just getting into the craft beer market, that's a good one to you know test them on because you, it's a step up in obviously the bitterness and the flavours but not something that's going to be over-complicated and kind of confuse them and they don't really know what they're doing. I'll have another quick swig see if I can pick up anything else. No, clean, bit of Christmas to it, bit of hoppiness, and that nice little bitter bite at the end. That's literally all I can say about it, really. Uh, so, yeah. So that's the Session IPA from Steam Brew. Right, so I have been watching... Um, a new TV series uh, that I haven't mentioned before. It's also on a different streaming service to what I uh, normally listen to. So I know some of you would have got quite bored with uh, 
you know, Disney Plus reviews. But what can I say? When you've got kids, you have to, you know, pay what's going to be used the most in your house, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, so I uh, bought an iPad recently and I managed to get three months uh, free subscription to Apple TV. Now, there's been a TV series that uh, one of my close friends has been talking to me about for quite some time, really. Um, and it's a TV series called Ted Lasso. Now, I know it's taken off quite a lot in America. Um, over here, I don't know if it's taken off quite as much. But then again, you know, there's only so many streaming services you can really have before you kind of, you know, you kind of lose a plot with it all, don't you? But um, what Ted Lasso was sold to me on was it's, you know, it was very much a feel-good um, story. Now, I kind of understand partially where they're coming from. However, I don't agree with that as a tagline for it. So for people who haven't been made aware of or maybe not know it exists, Ted Lasso is essentially about a amateur American football coach from the Midwest, Kansas region, I believe, gets um, signed to basically coach a Premier League football club in London. So, I mean, in, instantly it's got a very strange premise. Um, I won't give too much away. I mean, um, anything I've, I've kind of talked about is only within like you know, the first episode. I have literally binge-watched the two series back-to-back within the space of just over a week. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so essentially, you know, they relocate over to uh, the UK. So it's Ted Lasso and his trusty side coach, like assistant coach, uh, Coach Beard. Now, Ted Lasso is a very, very optimistic uh, coach. He's one of those people that um, positivity just radiates from them. You know which one I mean. Like You've got the over-the-top American false positivity, like, yeah, in your face, where, and then you've got that the genuine optimism, you know, that part where it doesn't seem like life has really kicked him down that much. Um, it's something that kind of gets lost on the uh, British persona, really, because we tend to have a, a very negative view, pessimistic, I suppose, um, about how we see things. So one thing I do like about it is they've taken the American optimism but mixed it very well with natural British life. So... Because he's um, yeah moved over and he gets a normal, typical football welcome. I won't use the words, but it's a W word. They get called on a frequent basis. Um, they they have done that balance like really really well. So yeah, he gets moved brought over to manage a Premier League football club. Um, ultimately, the owner of the club is a woman who was part of a husband wife team who actually owned the club previously and the club was basically the passion and love child of their ex-husband now ultimately the reason why this woman has brought Ted Lasso in is to essentially destroy it because she's just doing it out of spite and bitterness because it's everything you know it's the main thing that he loves or that's from her perspective of it anyway um, I say this is all in the first episode, so I am not spoiling anything at all. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how the different dynamics, the different relationships work, how other people are brought in. So it's quite often when you've got a 
like a big character set on a TV show where people kind of get lost into the background. Well, I think they've actually done really well in keeping certain characters at the forefront or even cycling them around so different person different people have relevance um the, the but the actual let's say they're watching the first series which was about 10 episodes about half an hour long um we literally smashed it in uh three nights uh when and considering we got two young children that, that says a lot of how much we enjoyed it now then we went straight on to the second series which has got uh 12 episodes i believe some of them slightly longer, um, but yeah, again, smashed it within about four days. So the new series is coming out on the fifteenth of March as well. So to be honest, if your time is quite right, or you know, if you have quite a lot of free time, you could literally like purchase um, a one month um, pass to Apple TV, binge watch the first two series. Watch the third one when they come out on the fifteenth, and it literally won't cost you more than six ninety nine. You could literally do the whole lot. Obviously, there is other things on like Apple TV that are quite good as well. Um, but at the moment, that's literally the main thing I've watched. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. I think the dynamics between the characters, as I said, was fantastic. I think the the balance, the realism as well. So although it's optimistic, and you know Ted Lasso is optimistic, I think they've got a. They've done a good way of dealing with real-life issues. Um, <clears throat> some issues are really, really hard and really, really tough to talk about. And they actually tackle them head-on rather than trying to scoot around them just because it's like a comedy-based series. And I think that's what makes it so good. Now, it's won awards, um, and I can genuinely see why. I think it's uh, brilliant. Um, it's just got a well-rounded view. You you can you can have happy stuff. You can have sad stuff. There's and the thing is, you never see which one's coming, literally until it smacks you straight in the face. Um, you know the way the way in which they guided it is very very clever. So if you haven't seen it, um, you know, please please give it a watch. I say, yeah, you know, I know it's another streaming service that I have to like look at, but. You literally can do it all in one month, and I don't think you'd be disappointed at all. I think it's a superb series, um, and yeah, definitely, definitely give it a watch. I don't think you'd be disappointed in the slightest. But yeah, so that's Ted Lasso. Um, it's one of those ones you want to you want to give you want to talk about things, but you don't want to give too much away. Um, but there is quite a shift between season one and season two. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say any more. But there is definitely, it's not a the same old, same old. There's definitely you know, a long-term plan with what they've done. So, yeah. Watch it. Tell me what you think. Um, but I haven't found a single person yet that um, you know, actually doesn't like it. So that normally says it all. Because there's normally at least one person that says, oh, no, I'm not a fan. Every single person I've spoken to about it has said it's brilliant. So, yeah. Ted Lasso. Thank you for keeping me uh, entertained, and I'm really looking forward to the new series. Right, so what I'm going to do is very quickly get rid of the tried and tested so we can move on. Uh, so that was Session IPA by Steam Brew. Very nice, very pleasant, very drinkable. Doesn't cost the earth. So, you know, thinking about uh, trying to manage your finances at the moment, you definitely want to have a blast if you haven't had a go on. Right, so moving on to the 
Peter Falk for the episode. So this is a beer that I picked up on the way back from Butlins. <clears throat> I took my uh, children recently for a holiday in February. Absolutely loved it. But anyway, that's I digress. So this is from Strode Brewery, and it's called Organic Indian Pale Ale. So it's just an organic IPA, uh, 5.6%. And their taglines are hoppy, tropical, and zesty. So I'm assuming this is going to have a bit more of a the standard hops in it. Uh, a juicy hop-driven IPA packed with, uh, packed full of organic American and New Zealand hops. Can you tell me which hops they are? No. Let's have a look what the other side says. Uh, in the classic movie, Catch You If You Can, Catch Me If You Can, sorry, uh, Frank explains distraction to Han Ratty with the classic line, the Yankees always win because the opposition can't keep their eyes off the pinstripes. People generally only know what we tell them. So if we, get, if we distract them with something shiny, they might not see the dirt. So if we claimed we saved the world because we're shiny, organic and B Corp, and we use green energy whilst omitting to tell you about our carbon footprint, which might, uh, which is currently higher than we'd like, then you might be none the wiser about the areas where we need to and will do better. This will be greenwashing, and you'd be surprised at how much of it goes on. You know what, actually, I do quite like that, because, uh, I mean, obviously I'm poor reading. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, but yet, the, uh, I think a lot of these big companies now go, oh, you know, we're carbon neutral, we do this, we do that. But actually, are they as carbon neutral, carbon friendly that they make out? There's one, obviously, big brewery that comes to mind when they kind of push all this stuff. And, you know, how much of it's actually true, you kind of take with a bit of a pinch of salt. Uh, but, yeah, so we don't actually know which um, hops are in there. It is vegan-friendly. Soil Association. You know, so. And you've got, so yeah, Certified B Corporation, Assured, Independent. Yeah, so it's got quite some good tags on it. But, yeah, so I picked this up from... Uh, Gloucester Services on the M5 Gloucester Services anybody who doesn't go down that way uh, basically it's just a, a farm shop that has a lot of local produce it's probably one of the best services on there to be honest um, in the whole of the, like, you know, the UK network everything's overpriced but everything is tasty and everything's nice so you're like mm, it justifies the spend I suppose but yeah anyway I digress so back to the IPA Okay, so you do get the, uh, there's a hoppy, there is the hoppy, hoppy and the tropical aromas. Clearly to do whatever hops they're using. Um, again, similar colour to the steam brew, so a very light golden colour. Let's have a quick swig, shall we? Okay, so they weren't lying about the zestiness, because that's actually probably the first thing I pick up with the beer. It kind of hits the roof of your mouth. Um, a little bit of zing from the bitterness of the hops. Um, not you don't get that natural bite that you get the you normally get and associate with an, um, an IPA. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean there's a, a lack of flavour at all because of the alcohol uh, content based on what the session IPA was. They're actually quite similar in how strong the flavours are. There's not a lot difference in the previous one and this one. Um, so have another quick swig. Bear with me. Yeah, so, again, I get the hoppiness at the start, not much at the end. Um, so, it kind of depends on how your palate is. If you're one of these people that doesn't really pick up the initial um, 
hoppy aromas, and you, it's all about that afterbite. May not be the IPA for you, um, but I think it's a lovely balance. I say you, you do get a little bit of fruitiness, you get a little bit of hoppiness, probably more hoppy than fruit, which is quite. Do I say strange nowadays? Because everybody seems to focus a lot more on having those fruity flavours in their IPAs, like you know, a bit more like you know, New England or anything like that, um, rather than having your traditional. And you have your traditional IPAs where, again, big, heavy bites. We don't tend to have a well balanced one between the two very often, and that one does actually work quite well. It's not we. It's not clovey though. You know, it's. Uh, and I saw the sediments at the bottom. It's obviously like, you know, slightly refined, but it's actually very pleasant to drink. Uh, yeah. Can't really say much else. I mean, I think I've picked up all the flavours. So what I'll do is I'll just swiftly move on. Um, what I actually was going to talk about is films. Now, not a complete like review of all the stuff that I normally do, like TV series or whatever. But at the moment, there seems to be a... A bit of a resurgence, so to speak. Um, basically, creating uh, films around video games. So, there was quite a big <clears throat> focus on that when I was younger. So, you had like the you know, Mario Brothers, another like, Super Mario Brothers, are, they're creating a new uh, digital one, which is coming out later in the year. My son's very excited to, see, to watch that one. Um, yeah, but there was quite a lot uh, of video game uh, films when I was younger. That weren't great. And, you know, Street Fighter, case in point. Mortal Kombat, case in point. Um, but, yeah, they're kind of... They've always kind of been there. Um, but, it's, you know, not in as much volume, probably, as what they are doing now. So... A couple of the ones I've actually watched recently is... Um, I watched the new Mortal Kombat film... That was very violent. Um, I mean, the No Mortal Kombat is supposed to be violent anyway. That's kind of like their big USP, that, and, you know, the unique selling point that they've got. Um, it's the brutality, the violence, that you know, the gore. That's generally what they aim for. But I did the new one did take me uh, aback a bit uh, in certain points. If you watched it, you probably understand which ones, uh, you know, which points. Like brought me to it. If not, um, if you lo- if you don't mind, like I'd, I'd say mindless violence. But yeah, you know, there is a reason for it all, I suppose. Um, it was an okay film. It was enjoyable. It's definitely better than the ones that they made, like you know, previously the two before, because they were absolutely shocking. But they definitely had a slightly different take on things to what they uh, used last time as well. So, uh, but yeah. They got those. Um, I know Uncharted is a game that's um, recently had a film release. I haven't watched that one at all, uh, but I'm not really into the whole like Uncharted Tomb Raider thing. I mean, again, Tomb Raider was another um, game series that I made films on. Um, they they don't really interest me. I don't know why. Maybe it's the fact I've never really been into like you know the likes of Indiana Jones. Um, I know a lot of people get surprised when I say I'm not a fan of Indiana Jones, but I just find them boring, you know. Um, but a couple of ones I actually have watched recently with my son because he actually got drawn into it. It's Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, it, it's a dual thing for me because I was very much a Sega boy when I was growing up. Always uh, had the Sega Mega Drives and stuff like that. 
Uh, I was much more Sega than Nintendo. To be honest, I didn't actually own a proper Nintendo console until the Nintendo GameCube. So, you know, quite a way into my journey. I mean, I was a full grown adult when that came out as well. So, um, yeah, always been uh, Sega. So I was gutted, obviously, when they kind of folded and focused solely on games. <clears throat> However, my son wanted to watch Sonic the Hedgehog. I was like, really? Mm, I'm not expecting a lot of things from this, but, you know, he was adamant he wanted to watch it. Uh, so we watched the first one, and actually I was pleasantly surprised. I think they've got a a good balance where they actually create a kind of backstory um, for him and kind of put him in a good modern-day situation. There is comedy elements to it. There is action things to it as well. But rather than it just being, you know, a hedgehog being really fast running around collecting some rings, they did a they built a complete story around it, and actually it worked quite well. One nod I will give is to Jim Carrey. So Jim Carrey, they signed for Dr. Robotnik, who's the uh, main villain. Now... I did wonder if he was going to try and do the whole steal the show type of thing. But actually, he doesn't. He gives that kind of um, eccentricity that you kind of expect for someone who is, you know, invented like you know, big evil robots that want to shoot things and everything. Um, and I, th- I, th- I think he just managed to balance it quite well, um, better than I expected, which is you know. A good thing. So we also then followed on with watching uh, Sonic Two because um, yeah, schools have what's called inset days, essentially days off for teachers. But they should be getting paid. Um, it's a joke. I've got teacher friends. I'm only winding people up. Um, but yeah, so what's the second one as well? And actually, the uh, second one I would say was even better because they introduced other characters. So um, introduced Tails, Knuckles. And that gives it much more of a dynamic. And because Dr. Robotnik is already established, they don't need to do any backstories with them, the backstories with Sonic or anything like that. It's literally just much more action across the board. And I think it's quite clever. So, they, again, you've got action, you've got some good story. Um, so, yeah, overall, I thought I really enjoyed them. I think what I was trying to say, really, is... Yes, there's, there seems to be a focus on uh, making video games into films... Braccio, in certain elements to it, I think they may have actually cracked certain parts of it. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're not polished articles yet. It's not like they're going to start another you know, Marvel Universe in the game world. Um, but at least the actual films are enjoyable, rather than just you know, money spinners. My son is desperate for the new um, Super Mario film to come out, so you know, we'll be going to the cinemas to watch that. I am actually looking forward to it, because it looks a bit more closer to the game, rather than just trying to make it its own thing. But, yeah, we'll kind of uh, see how that goes, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, that's uh, my take on video game films. What I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly finish off the IPA from Stray Brewery, and then we'll move on to the Around the World. Right, so the Around the World for this episode is all the way from the Canaries. And this beer is called Tropical. So, Tropical is... A lager, it's not necessarily amazing. Um, again, it's one of those drinks that, although the beer itself isn't amazing, you associate it with the environment that you're in. So I've had Tropical on 
uh, Fuerteventura and I've also had it on uh, Lanzarote. Both of which are holidays I absolutely loved. The other main beers you tend to get over there is Dorada, which is one that was brewed in... That's brewed in Tenerife. Uh, Tropical is brewed in Gran Canaria. So, yeah. The main reason why this is actually around the world, I'm not going to lie to you. I actually have spent quite a lot of money on getting um, some around the world beers in. Stupidly, I forgot to put them in the fridge. So, we've got plenty of ones for next time. So, apologies in advance. But yeah, so, this is a lager. It looks like a lager. It smells like a lager. And yep, it tastes like a lager. Now, with the uh, tropical, it's not an offensive lager. So, I'm not going to lie. If you put this in one of these in front of me, or you put something like a Carlin or a Budweiser, I'm picking this all day long. I won't even look at the others. The flavour profiles aren't particularly strong. This is very much more a light, easy sipping drinking beer. When it's hot, kind of quench your thirst. You don't have to think about it too much. But it is actually a pleasant flavour. Sometimes you get some of these uh, beers from abroad and actually there's a bit of a, a twang to them. Tropical hasn't got that at all. Dorada, the, the one I was at about earlier, the one from uh, Tenerife, that's a bit more malty, a bit more heavy-bodied. So, actually, I'd like the flavour of Dorada. However, it is a heavier drink to drink, even though it is a lager. So, that kind of puts people off a little bit. It's all about personal preference. There's no right and no wrong. Uh, but, yeah, as a flavour profile, though, unfortunately, there's not really a lot I can kind of say about it. It's just a pleasant lager. And that's about it. Right, so we move on, very quickly do a little bit of sport. So, um, for those of you who you know, been living under a rock, Six Nations have started, all fun and games. Uh, at this point, the Irish and the French are the uh, you know two that are battling for the overall Grand Slam. If I'm honest, I think Ireland are probably the ones that got the closest to actually getting it. However, any given day, you never know what's going to happen. Actually, it's Grand Slam. Italy, uh, Ireland have got Grand Slam. France can't do Grand Slam, but they can still win the tournament. Sorry. Again, sorry. It's been a, a long day. Uh, <laughs> uh, Scotland have been doing uh, well. They have been slowly progressing over the last um, few years. Uh, and I think they've finally got some of them key pieces, um, predominantly from South Africa, but with little over that. Um, but actually, as a team, they seem to be working really well. You know, I'm... I think they're going to walk away with the Triple Crown. It's not really a question of that. But it's also, the next question for them really is how far do they go? England, uh, slight improvement on what was a terrible autumn international series. Uh, but, you know, steps in the right direction. Probably a bit too late for the World Cup. But, you know, at least we're getting there. Italy, though. They're probably the biggest surprise because Italy have actually started to turn up. Although the results haven't kind of gone their way. The way in which they're playing is vastly superior to what we've seen for a long time. Um, and I think they're knocking on the door, really. It only needs a little bit of fine-tuning, but I think it's not far from them actually starting to get at least mid-table, which would actually be quite good. Um, but of course, if they go mid-table, that does mean somebody else has got to go for the wooden spoon. And that, at the moment, has got to be Wales. So, Wales, at the moment, are in complete and utter turmoil. Um... The national team are in turmoil, but it's also their domestic game. 
So essentially what's happened is the Welsh uh, Rugby Union have decided they're going to be implementing a new pay structure across the board, um, internationals and club level, to basically try and make the game more sustainable. Um, these new contracts basically expected to run for six years. There's been massive kickoff because like the most that someone can earn is like I think it's two hundred forty thousand, which don't get me wrong. If someone offered pay me two hundred forty thousand, I'd rip their arm off. However, if you're earning seven hundred and then someone says no, you, you know, we're basically going to cut your wages by down to a third, you can kind of see why they've been annoyed. I don't think necessarily that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue is more about like how much pay the lower entry level players. They're getting paid. Um, one person who was devoutly Welsh, you know, played for the national team five times. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Um, you know, had big money offers from Europe to go. When you say Europe, it's got to be France. Uh, in the summer, like last summer, and didn't take it because they wanted to fight for their position in the Welsh squad. Um, ultimately, they rejected signing their offer because if they did sign the offer, they actually wouldn't be able to. You know, keep the roof over their heads and feed their kids. Now, I'm as I've said before, I'm a firm believer we do need to make rugby more sustainable. I think it's been destroyed on the grassroots level because money's just not filtering down. Uh, the second layer, so like the Championship in England, doesn't get anywhere near the amount of funding because all the money is consumed by fat cats in the RFU, in my opinion, um, and also the sheer stupid money that we pay high-profile players now. Don't get me wrong, I fully understand that you know if you want the game to develop, you do need to have a couple of flagship people. But why are we paying people 600000 when clubs are collapsing? Um, yes, it needs to be revisited. Um, do I think that the Welsh uh, Rugby Union are doing it the right way? No. Uh, they've also said the person who actually implemented the six-year contracts has actually now resigned. So they're like, well, actually, why don't you look at it more like a short-term arrangement, like one or two years, see how things have recovered from that point, and then work from there. Which I do understand their thinking. You don't need to have it as a full long-term set plan. What you can actually do, take it step by step, even a year at a time, and see what the final... Uh, probably two years, really, to see, actually see how the impact has affected, A, the quality of the game, B, player retention and see the stability of the clubs. A two-year period, you should be able to get that from within like one year's worth of sales as long as somebody, you know, as long as the actual the actual reports are coming straight through. There's no reason why you can't do that. So, I don't know. It's a game. Rugby, as I've said before many times, it's a game close to my heart. Love it. Um, you know, very much involved in it. My family's involved in it. However, I think it's taken a bit of a rough turn. Um, and I, I do worry for the, the long-term safety of its future. Um, there seems to be massive issues about concussion. Now, don't get me wrong, I understand the issues around concussion. However, the protocols they're trying to implement isn't about player safety. They're just trying to reduce uh, how often they get sued. That's all it is, and that's my opinion of it. You know, nobody else is. That's solely mine. But, yeah, what can I say? Um... It's a shame, but in the meantime, the actual games have been absolutely fantastic. And also, the Gallagher Premiership is like really heating up as well. So, plenty of good rugby to watch. Watch it while we can, before they ruin it. Right, let's very quickly get rid of the Tropical. 
and we move on to the wild card for this episode. So the wild card for this episode is from Drygate, and it is Disco Dirigible. I'll probably mispronounce that, but that's the best I've got. So it's a peach and raspberry pale ale. 5.1%. Um, now, the reason why this is a wild card, I absolutely love raspberries. Um, hate peaches. So the balance of this is either going to be really, really nice or absolutely horrendous. But obviously, there's only one way to find out, isn't there? So on the colour, slightly more golden than any of the others we've had. Not by much, still quite light golden. All I can smell is a peach on the aroma. I'm not going to lie. I know there's raspberry in there, but the peach is obviously going to be the stronger aroma straight from the off. Oh, oh no. It's like drinking a bowl of potpourri. Uh, no. Oh, that's horrendous. Um, all I can taste is the peach. It's up my nose, in my mouth. I'll just have another swig, see if I can get anything else. No, that is pretty much just peach. Um, and as I said, because I'm not a fan. Oh, it's awful. Um, I wonder what's going to be the last place. Oh, that's absolutely shocking. Um, yeah, if you're a peach lover, by all means, give yourself a bash on this. I think you'll really enjoy it. If there is, if anybody can actually find any raspberry in there, please let me know because it is completely lost and drowned out by the flavour of the peach. I don't know if it's one of those things because, like, uh, another flavour that I really struggle with is onion. Not so bad when it's cooked, but if there's any raw onion in any food, all I can taste is the onion and everything else gets lost. So I'm not kind of sure whether that's what happens with the peach for me because I can, there's no raspberry in there for me at all. Um, now, somebody else may drink that and think, oh, my days, it's you now too much raspberry. I'm just not picking up any of it whatsoever. Um, but yeah, Drygate, they do make some cracking beers. I say Disco Forklift Truck is a personal favourite of mine. Um, but this one, no, it says the verb is mellow, fruity, caramel, and bittersweet. And all I can literally taste is peach. I can't even get any hoppy bitterness. Literally just peach. So overwhelming. Uh, but yeah. I'll see if I can palm that off into my wife. Right. <laughs> it's that time where I need to pick my order. What's in fourth place? Oh, yes. That'll be the uh, Disco Dirigible. No idea if I pronounce that right. Who cares if I pronounce it right? Because it's awful. I'm never buying it again. And I'll never drink it again. Uh, right. In third place, I am going to go with the Tropical. So, Tropical, it's just a lager, unfortunately. It's a very pleasant lager. It is very enjoyable. Very nice when you have it. Literally a frozen glass, right by a beach in the Canaries, having a sip, letting the world go by. Perfect. When you're in the middle of the West Midlands, in you know, quite cold weather, probably doesn't have the same kind of hit. However, it can mentally take you away. So, decent beer. If, it, if you're over in the Canaries, I'll definitely give it a try. In second place, I am going to go for the Session IPA from Steam Brew. Cheap. Easy drink, plenty of flavour, not washed down like most Session IPAs, easily accessible, and yeah, quite pleasant. Uh, so that means the top dog in this episode is the Organic IPA from Stroud Brewery. Very close, if I'm honest, between that and the uh, Steam Brew. In the flavour profiles and the drinkability, 
there's a little bit more depth in the flavour from the Stroud one, and that's the reason why uh, I went for it, because that little subtle bit of fruitiness just gave it the edge for me, and um, it's very, very pleasant. I need to obviously pick up a few more of their beers when I'm uh, driving down, because I do again down to Somerset quite well, because uh, quite regularly, because I've got family down there. So, yeah, I think that's one we'll have to keep an eye out on. Right, well, thank you very much. Apologies for the couple of days delay, um, but we're all back on schedule. Uh, next episode, I should have a guest guaranteed as well. So, looking forward to that. I've already got their things in place. So, thank you very much for listening. Um, any good beer recommendations or anything you want me to try or anything you want me to talk about, please feel free to send in to me. Uh, and yeah, look after yourselves, and I will speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye.